I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. Two hours after the ribbon cutting, after the mayor opened the store, Beyonce dropped a track to the world for free called Drunken Love, and it ended in the lyrics, I've been drinking watermelon. On this episode of Unfinished Biz, we chat with Watermelon Water co-founder Jody Levy. She'll tell us how a combination of hard work, a solid team, good timing, and a little celebrity luck put Watermelon Water on the map and on store shelves. But it's not just a tasty thirst quencher. Truth is, Watermelon Water was born from a much bigger, eco-friendly mission. And oftentimes you'll get 250,000 tons of melons that don't get rainfall. And they're just ugly. They're sunburned or they're misshapen or they've got, you know, some strange aesthetic on the outside, but they're perfect on the inside. Find out how Jody's team literally turned waste into water, why embracing the unexpected makes businesses stronger, and where the watermelon water brand is headed next. Unfinished Biz starts now. What stands out to me about Jody is her magnetic personality. She exudes confidence in a positive way. And it's led to her ability to recruit a first-class team, high-profile celebrities such as Beyonce and Chris Paul, a.k.a. CP3, <laughs> and a phenomenal investor such as Kavu. What's also really unique is that it's not just about watermelon water with cool packaging or the fact that Beyonce likes it. I mean, it was really born out of a need to cut down an agricultural waste. We caught up with Jody in New York City, the same place her watermelon water journey began. Get ready for one serendipitous story. Watermelon water was uh, a tale of cosmic intervention across the board. Um, about four, five years ago, I met my co-founder, Harlan Berger, and he randomly started sharing stories about the millions and millions and millions of pounds of waste watermelons that exist in America. Where did you meet him? On the rooftop at Sleep No More in New York City. Okay. Um, it was his 50th birthday, and a friend of ours came up while we were having a conversation and handed him four bottles of cold-pressed watermelon juice. And of course, you know, I'm asking questions and kind of squinting my eyes and wondering what this is all about. And um, it turned into him telling me about this idea to turn unused wasted melons from the waste produce movement that nobody really knew anything about into a beverage. And I had a design company. I have a design company. But at the time, I was building brands, launching products, doing all kinds of things in the world of immersive experiential design. So we decided to get together and talk through it. And he's, you know, this bigwig in the New York real estate world and had this idea but isn't really, wasn't really in a place where he could build a beverage company. And I thought it was really interesting to take this waste stream of watermelons, which I can tell you guys a little bit about um, why watermelons have so much more waste than other produce, and do something with it. But before I got into the food and beverage concept, I went up to Columbia and tried to convince this ethanol expert to help me make fuel and fly rocket ships on watermelons. Before we had the, did Burning Man play any role in the story? I actually met Harlan at Burning Man years ago, 
And many of our friends um, have gone to Burning Man for years as a place each year to kind of get together and get present and turn the rest of the world off. And yeah, Burning Man has definitely played a big part in um, the inception and the growth of Watermelon Water. Many of our employees, many of our investors, many of our partners all kind of convene in the desert. And now we're five years in and we just got back from hydrating our humans in 120 degree you know, dusty heat and keeping I was say, people no, healthy. No, no group of people need watermelon water more than, than the gathering of folks in the middle of a 110 degree desert. That is true. Although I do love this idea of board meetings at Burning Man. Interesting. We actually have never done that, but we should. Well, I'm going to go. take that one. Exactly. We're going to do that next year. That'll be a f- And I'll document it and we'll come <laughs> back and we'll talk about it again. It's It'll like, be great. We decided to do what? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's all, it's all above board. Yeah. So I apologize. I, I interrupted you. No, no, you're about, fine. Um, Yeah, so so what we figured out was based on this fact that there's waste produce. And now, you know, five years later, we all have heard a lot more about it. The waste food, the the food waste um, in America is is horrible. It's almost 50%. And that doesn't, that's not just produce. That's also food that's wasted in restaurants, food that's wasted in homes, and the amount of people that are really in need of nourishment. So there's a a balancing that needs to happen there. But as it relates to um, produce... You know, you can have some ugly apples, and they get shipped to the grocery store, and they get filtered out. They're not sold, but there's a couple here and there. Watermelons are a bit different because they're 18 to 25 pounds, and oftentimes you'll get 250,000 tons of melons that don't get rainfall, and they're just ugly. They're sunburned, or they're misshapen, or they've got, you know, some strange aesthetic on the outside, but they're perfect on the inside. And the watermelon growers in America and around the world have kind of suffered from this because they're so delicate, and it used to just be tilled into the soil because it was too expensive to ship it and use it for something else. So when we founded the company in 2013, we started working with growers to actually prioritize their seconds. Those are the aesthetic... So how was Harlan aware of this issue? I'm not sure. He had an idea. There was a late night Google search. He found this <laughs> fact, and it and it got my piqued my interest because yeah. I come from this world of like sustainability and finding ways to solve ecological issues through art and design and experiences and brands. So it was just like I said, it's a tale of cosmic intervention, right? It's like one step that connects to the next that connects to the next, and that was the first one. That's great, and then so from from. Harlan and, and the cosmic intervention that, that occurred, how did you begin to decide to want to, what was the first step you took from there to turn it into a business? So um, we spent some time really looking at the landscape of the beverage industry. And I happen to be um, a clean consumer, I'll say. I'm one of those people that has had a really hard time with packaged foods for years because the food system is full of chemicals and ingredients that are just bad for you. And I've always been interested in food as medicine and the idea of biohacking, using supplementation and food and beverages to, you know, treat your body well and stay in balance. And at the time, five years ago, it was sort of the forefront of more and more clean products coming to the market. It was also the rise of HPP which I knew nothing about because I you know, came from 15 years of designing immersive installations and large-scale theatrical experiences and building brands and launching cars and designing hotels. In the auto industry. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was really 
interested in the idea of creating a product that could be clean, that just had a couple simple ingredients that wasn't heat pasteurized, that wasn't full of harmful chemicals, that didn't have sugar alcohols or guar gums or all of these things that actually have quite a toll on our, on our bodies. And set out with uh, Andrea Rapitov, who's our food scientist and our partner, to look at how to take this waste stream of watermelons and turn it into a really functional, clean product. And at the time, he you know, showed up 72 hours later with five different versions of the product. One at a three-day shelf life, one at a 30-day shelf life, one at a you know, forever shelf life that tasted vile. And, and it went like that. And the 30-day shelf life was delicious. And we were like, how do you do this? You know? He's like, there's this new technology. It's called high-pressure processing. And it allows us to do this, this, and this. And we can have watermelon and lemon in a bottle and stay on the shelf for now, you know, what is 60 days? And we were off to the races. And then things really changed when we sent that sample to the lab and we realized that we have the single most functional hydrating product on the market with six times more electrolytes than any sports drink and an amino acid called L-citrulline that only exists in watermelon, in the rind of watermelon, and lycopene and magnesium and all of these things that naturally occur in watermelon that nobody ever knew. So was the product, so once you discovered you, had, you were onto something, how did you, is it a hard product to make? Impossible. I mean, there's a reason why nobody did it before. And it seems so simple. But watermelon's really delicate. So we invested heavily in food science, in technology, in experts in the watermelon field. We, not, the watermelon field, meaning, you know. <laughs> the industry, the, the industry field. of watermelon. Right. Um, we've worked, we were working with college professors, people that really understood the, the limitations and the constraints of the agricultural crop. Um, and we created a product, a brand, and a category all at once. One of the things that, that's interesting is, you know, when you're dealing with fresh fruit, how do you actually maintain sort of consistency of flavor? Just because of seasonality, I'm trying to think, as you're describing how hard it is to make, that's got to be something that, that is a, a tough challenge to, to crack. Yeah, it's, it's taken years and years and a very hardy operations group. I mean, there are many days where I wish that we were putting water and red dye number five and some version of sugar in a bottle, which I would never do or never drink. But let me tell you something, that business model is completely different. We set out with this mission to make a clean product and democratize it. Keep the price point super low so that it could go to as many people as possible, not just in the high-end natural channel. And we've accomplished that. But all the way through, we've made very specific decisions about pricing that's impacted our entire trajectory. It's impacted how we raise money, when we raise money, and you know when we'll be um, profitable, right? And all of that for this mission to, to bring clean food to the world. So we really, that's what fuels us. And that's what's brought the best of the industry in as our executives. That's what's brought all of these amazing investors in as individuals. That's what's brought celebrities and partners and athletes that we as a tiny little brand could never have because they're all aligned with that mission of trying to use what they've got and the energy and their power to try to make change and inspire people to, to feel good and have longevity. 
So right after you got the product right, um, what ended up, what was your, what was your next step? So, so this is where things start to get exciting. (laughs) Um, we founded the company in March, 2013 by June, we were ready to launch and I formed a relationship with Whole Foods Northeast and I went in there and I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. We have this single skew and I show them this this picture, a rendering of a giant 200 facing cooler with our hot pink bottle lining the shelves. And I'm like, this is what we want. How do we do this? And, you know, they looked at me sideways and they were like, you can't do that. Like, maybe we can give you two of those. <laughs> and I'm like completely ignorant. I've, the only industry I've never been in is food and beverage. So what ended up coming out of this incredibly persuasive conversation um, was if we waited until September when the first Brooklyn Whole Foods was to launch, they might be able to give us two rows. And I was not happy with two rows, but I was like, okay, local, new, good PR story, first store in Brooklyn. It's all starting to ring. I could start with two rows. My powers of persuasion, I've got this, right? So we waited out the summer. And obviously, watermelon season is summer, right? Everybody that drinks a watermelon water or grabs a watermelon tells you a story of you know, their memories, whether it's in Georgia or Turkey or Egypt or Israel. Everyone has stories from all over the world. And there's never been a product before that actually is watermelon. So we make this decision. Could have been the worst decision ever. September comes, store doesn't open. October comes. Store doesn't. It's a whole. It's a new Whole Foods right. construction. Of yep. course, it doesn't open. I just didn't know that, right? I'm sure you were checking it every day, and you're like, "There's no way this place is going to be done." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yes. There's no walls in here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Don't you need walls in a store? Maybe not. So November comes around, and at this point, I don't really believe in mistakes, and I don't really believe in failure. And I'll tell you guys about that. But like, I really thought I messed up. So on December 12th, 2013, there was a ribbon cutting for the Gowana store. And sure enough, we had two rows, and they were pretty, and they were right by the you know, front door, and it got a lot of love, and we were new, and we were local. But what was, was even cooler was two hours after the ribbon cutting, after the mayor opened the store, Beyonce dropped a track to the world for free called Drunken Love, and it ended in the lyrics, I've been drinking watermelon. And it was this sort of mind-blowing synchronicity because the concept of drinking watermelon never really existed before two hours ago, right? So that was the, the beginning of this long and amazingly supportive partnership between me and our company and Beyonce Knowles-Carter. Did, did you actually hear the lyric or did someone actually bring the lyric to you? My phone started blowing up. Nice. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, the whole world's congratulating me, right? <laughs> On my Whole Foods Brooklyn exactly. Lunch. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I haven't talked to anyone in a year because I've been head down building this company. And so I started getting these text messages. And I actually come from music. I've been designing stages and um, onstage experiences for years and years and launching artists. So I made a phone call, got to her manager, and that was sort of the beginning of our journey. That's great. So after your launch with your one store in Whole Foods, Brooklyn, where'd you go from there? Did you roll out further with Whole Foods? Yes. So our strategy was to go um, 
very targeted and deep in New York, New York City and the New York region, Northeast region, until we felt really good about how the brand and the product and the category had been established. That ended up taking about a year and a half. And it was... And this was purely with Whole Foods or is it just going just deep in the region across... So first we launched with Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. We did the main city stores. I don't remember how many. I think there were, there were eight at the time, potentially. And then we slowly expanded beyond the city stores to Whole Foods. And then we slowly expanded to other natural channel markets. And we invested in building the category and owning the category. So it happened to be synchronistic timing with the Super Bowl in New York. And I mentioned that my partner, Harlan, is in real estate. So we started building pop-up stores, and we did an experience on West Broadway for the Super Bowl where we had programming for all ages relative to nutrition education, athletics, et cetera. And we just started bringing my expertise in experiential marketing and engaging people at an emotional level with a brand story out into the world. And what other formats has, has some of that background experience you've had really been embodied within the brand? Um, well, it's interesting because I, for most clients around the world, they're working with big marketing and PR budgets. And in our world, as you guys know, it's like everything's on a shoestring and you have to do what you can with as little as possible, right? So for us at Watermelon Water, we do everything from seed packs that have information about the brand and have plantable, growable watermelon seeds. All of our brand ambassadors are wearing athletic suits, like body suits that look like the bottles, and the nutritional facts go down their booties, and they, you know, make an impact. When you walk into a Whole Foods and they're they're tasting you and sampling you, it's it's something that makes you look, you know, in their direction or want a picture or form a memory. So the, the philosophy is all about when you can engage as many senses as possible. When somebody can smell and touch and see something that's stimulating or smell something that's out of the ordinary, it creates memory. And when you create memory, oftentimes people will walk away and talk about it and it'll leave an indelible impression. So we try to put that into everything, whether it's a coupon or a point of sale experience or an athlete showing up in you know, a retail environment or a pop-up shop experience, or a morning dance party, or a day party, or DJ that we're bringing in. We try to bring people into an experience and shift their thinking and their perspective so that they walk away enhanced. And are you sort of personally involved with the design elements of every single one of those features? Yeah, so I'm the creative director for our brand. Um, We actually do all of our ideation as a a team internally. And... um, I usually come up, I mean, it's a, it's a group effort, right? It takes a village. But I, I like to think about the storytelling. And as we grow and as we launch new products and as we launch new innovations, there's very, very specific storytelling that we're focused on. And if we can lead the story to the outside world, then people understand how to share our story. So that's a big part of it. I mean, one of the things that I've always found really, honestly, arresting about your your product is the package. And is that something that sort of you were responsible for? Yeah, I get involved in all of the design for everything that we do. So whether it's, you know, our school buses that are called the liquid love ride (laughs) that are tricked out with, you know, great 
stereo systems and curating the music for when we pull up on a beach and start, you know, creating a, a mobile party or our bottles or our packaging. Again, it takes a team. We've got an amazing design partner and I, a, a creative director that I bring in. But um, yeah, I'm involved in all of it. I creative direct everything. So you're in, you're in Whole Foods Northeast. You're you're expanding in a natural channel in New York. You got this great packaging. How did you fund all this to date? Amazing individuals that fell in love with our vision and understood what we were doing from a mission perspective. So it's all individuals at that juncture when you were um, just local in New York. It was friends and family type type investors at that at that time. No, not all friends and family. But um, even people that have fi- had financial institutions or hedge funds or private equity firms, they were all invested personally. Got it. Mm-hmm. And then where'd you go from there? So you're, you're starting to saturate New York. How, where'd you expand next? We expanded to Los Angeles and you know, started to rock out in L.A., brought the magic, started to take all of the things that worked in New York and um, apply it to Los Angeles. Los Angeles was really, really the market where we were able to create more of a case study for how we would expand to cities across the country. We stayed focused on New York and L.A. for another six months, and then we really let the floodgates open. And we went um, more of a a uh, coastal um, strategy, went to Florida, up and down the coast of California, and soon to the Midwest and Texas. I'm a Detroit girl. So Chicago and Detroit was a big focus for me, and we happened to be rocking the Midwest. Um, At the time, we had a higher price point. Our goal was like, okay, how do we bring it down? How do we, like, it's really important. We were never playing in the $8 to $10 cold-pressed juice range, but we launched at $5.40 at Whole Foods. Now we're at $3.99. So expanding outside of New York, what were some of your key learnings? New York's often a unique beverage market. Yeah, so we went from New York right to L.A. and then stayed very focused in Los Angeles for another six months before we really let the floodgates open and took more of the country. Um, We had a a coastal approach. So, you know, on the East Coast, everywhere from the Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, down to Florida, and on the West Coast, up and down California. We then moved to Texas and the Midwest. I'm from Detroit, so Detroit and Chicago was always really important to me. Um, And... We've been building and building ever since. Now we're in almost 20,000 stores around the country. It's been three and a half years. But was there a particular challenge that came up leaving the New York market that you didn't expect? No, I don't think so. You know, Watermelon Water has always been in a bit of a unique position. People love it. They drink it before workouts. They drink it after workouts. It totally refreshes you. Um, Trial was never really an issue. It looks sexy, it tastes amazing. People you know, are attracted to it. Um, when we launched Los Angeles, we went into Costco relatively quickly, so that was great for trial. And Los Angeles can be tricky for any product just because it's like you know, 10 cities in one, but I have always had a, a targeted strategic approach to how you tackle Los Angeles based on what the product is and what the demographic is for that product. And we followed that strategy. When you launched LA, were you still at 549 or are you at 399? Yeah, we were. No, no, we, we were at 549 uh, for several years. 
And we did the same approach. In every market, we've pretty much done the same approach. Whole foods and natural channel, and then we expand to conventional. And you guys know, I mean, the conventional channels have transformed the last couple of years also. The Safeways of the world, the Kroger's of the world, 7-Elevens of the world, everybody's investing in clean, healthy products. Particularly when you can bring your price points down. Yeah. Especially if you're also supporting it with some interesting marketing and experiential events, things of that nature, which it sounds like you guys were doing. For sure. But was there something that came up where 549 didn't seem to be the right price, where you where it was clear that you needed to get lower? No. From the very beginning, I wanted to sell it for a dollar. <laughs> and that, are you, are you, are you tracking work. towards that? I'm not. I'm no? not. Now I feel really good at three ninety nine. But how cool would it be to sell cold-pressed beverage around the country for a dollar? I mean, like, you know. How did, so how did you accomplish that price reduction? Amazing people. Um, deeper relationships with the growers, the ability to understand scientifically when the fruit needs to come out of the ground and how to make its way through the supply chain. We went from one production facility to five across the country um, with a much more local approach. Um, And a combination of everybody that's working together from sales and operations, you know, being able to really understand our projections and our needs and expanding the code dates from 30 days to 60 days and being able to really track our production, all of that stuff has helped. That makes sense. Yeah. And then, so walk us through team build along the way. So you started the business with Harlan as a, as in the, in the cosmic uh, intersection of things. Mm-hmm. How did the team get built out? One of the things I love about entrepreneurial startups, of which I'm somewhat addicted to, is that like early phase band of gypsies, right? Like the people that don't necessarily know anything about the industry that you're in, that just like love it and jump in for all the right reasons. Some and of the super fans. So, well, they're just like, they hustle and they yeah. make it happen. And right. that's the soul and the spirit of the brand, right? It's when there's, what's your job description? Kind of all Everything. of the above. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do anything. Yeah. Multifaceted genius. Exactly. You know, whatatever that's, you want. That's right. Like, it's like, it's whatever a, you want to be called, you got right. it. It says so on my LinkedIn. So it's real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want SVP of everything? Okay, you're SVP yeah. of everything. No, it's, yeah. And I try to always keep those people in a company. So things will ebb and flow and what they want to do and what they grow into will shift and change because they often don't have the expertise from the industry, right? So we've got those and we started with them. And those are like, you know, when you're in a couple offices and you're throwing shit across the wall and everything's chaotic. And How did you convince those guys to join on when it was just an idea? Because it's all about passion for those guys, right? Yeah. I have, I have very good powers of persuasion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, listen, it was an attractive business. Yeah. You know, there's great people I agree with her. You don't, you, don't want, you don't want to be on the, you don't want to be on the wrong, <laughs> wrong side, side of, this. Of, of this here. Gotcha. Um, so it started there. And then, you know, I also have a belief that I like to build expert teams out well before you need them. So I knew early on that we needed a beverage industry CEO to run this company and that we, you know, I had a sense for what we would need in operations and in sales and in marketing to supplement what I do and how I, how I love to creative direct and just started to be the magnet, right? And so I think that's really my superpower. I, I, it's not about me. It's just about me being a catalyst for people to come together as a tribe to create community and, and build mission-driven companies that are awake and, 
and excited. And, you know, it's not always about where you're going. It's about how you're getting there along the way. And so we did that. And we just, each, each amazing human has a story of how they were attracted to us and when they came and how they got involved. And we have a pretty impressive team of the very best. And they all love it. And they're working their tails off. And it's working. As you've continued to build out the brand, how have you decided to expand out the product line? From the very beginning, when we created the concept of watermelon water, we knew that we wanted to, it was really important to create a category and, and educate people about the hydration benefits of watermelon water. And we focused on that. I, we've talked a little bit about, you know, we spent a year and a half in New York and then we slowly went to Los Angeles. We went deep in Los Angeles and we sort of took a targeted approach to cities on the coasts. And the reason for that is that we could go deep in educating people about the hydration and performance benefits of watermelon water. But from the beginning, Andre, our food scientist, and I started formulating additional blends. And we call them blends because each of them have additional functional benefits. And we just sat on them for years. I mean, our investors will tell you we did three private tastings of our watermelon blends because we kept thinking it was time. And then we realized there was so much more opportunity like the coconut water industry, to just educate people about what watermelon water is and does. So this past February, finally, after all these years, we launched our three additional SKUs, watermelon water tart cherry, watermelon water ginger, and watermelon water lime. Prior to that, we did have a second SKU that we launched that exists. It happens to be my favorite, which is watermelon lemon. We did watermelon lemon our first summer, as an alternative to lemonade for people that don't want sugar. And then when Beyonce's announcement of her partnership coincided with her album Lemonade, we launched Watermelon Lemon to the world. So we now have these four additional blends that all have additional functional benefits. And it's pretty cool. Like a lot of our athletes will tell us they use different watermelon waters for different times, right? Before they're going to do long distance running, they drink tartary. When they're recovering post-workout, they love ginger. They use pH. I'm sorry, they, they use lime to balance pH. So it's fun. It's like there's a language because of the way people use it with their sports and fitness um, with the intent to add functional benefits. I also like that Beyonce basically seems to be laying clues as yeah. to what the next fruit's going to be. And so <laughs> I feel like if you listen to her lyrics close enough, you're like, oh, and it's going to be a roadmap for watermelon water. <laughs> exactly. She's an amazing partner. <laughs> so we can't help but ask it. Walk us through how did she get involved in, officially in the business? What were the progression of events? Um, so I told you guys the story about our crazy launch date. You know, December 11th, 2013, I thought I made the biggest mistake of my life. December 12th, 2013, I realized that the universe really has us. And uh, we found out about the launch of the song. I made a phone call to a friend. She happens to be a celebrity stylist. She hooked me up with Beyonce's manager, called her cell phone. You know, I was like, this is the wildest thing. Told her the story. I'm like, I, I never even thought I'd be in the world of cold pressing watermelon. And, and as of two hours ago, the idea of drinking watermelon didn't exist. I'd love to send some product up. And she was like, great, we love it, but we have a contract with Pepsi. We can't do anything for you. And I'm like, do anything for me. We went nothing. We just want to send the product. And I did the same thing. I got to the managing um, 
director at the Barclay Center because they had just announced a couple unexpected shows that night. Same thing. Oh, my God, this is so cute. Pepsi has the arena, but just bring it to the back door. I'll fill up the green room, right? And for the next year, we, the band of gypsies, right? Every time there was Valentine's Day or Mother's Day, we would send these cases out with big hot pink bows, and I would always say, just take a couple cases up to Parkwood, which is the name of Beyonce's agency. And then February of the following year, when our CMO, Jeff Rubenstein, joined our team, um, Parkwood got in touch with us. And they, were, they said, you know, we think that there's so much alignment with the brand. We'd love to meet and talk about what you guys are doing. And we started conversations. Um, Beyonce's team at the time was amazing. And they were super collaborative, very real, very genuine. She wanted to get more into the health and wellness space. And they expressed interest in making a financial investment in our very tiny company at the time. And we worked out the details, which sounds very easy, but was not. Uh, It took about a year to get the deal done and also plan for a meaningful launch moment. And the reason that she got involved was really because she believed in the mission. She's very much into female entrepreneurship. She loves being able to support American growers the waste food movement, doing non-traditional things with an ingredient that would be, you know, wasted money and energy. Um, the mission to educate people about clean, healthy living, especially young people and women. And so when we announced our partnership to the world, it was very much mission-focused. We call that seeding change. So seeding change is our umbrella by which everything that we do kind of gives back. Anything that we do in marketing or new product launches, we give back. And we had 750 million media impressions in two days. And it was probably the most picked up story that people have seen about a celebrity partnership. And then um, in February, when we launched the blends, we actually waited and announced it on March 8th, which was International Women's Day. And Beyonce led the announcement with a quote about myself and our CEO is a woman and just uh, another kind of version of um, her support and how proud she is to be a partner. So she's really shown up in amazing ways for us. It's really an amazing story of hustle, of how, of how you got to her and, and what, a, what an amazing feat. One of the things that, you know, in terms of, you certainly had the aspect of launching with Beyonce. What do you see as her ongoing role in helping support the brand from here? I've got lots of ideas. Um, when, we, when she and I first got together, we came up with a handful of ideas and concepts that would really further that, like, how do we educate people? How do we get people off of the ingredients that are so bad for them and us as a society? How do we use this brand as a way to tell stories that are meaningful and really engage people to be physical and get into athletics and be aware of the ingredients we're putting in our bodies? So there's some exciting things coming. So how's that go? You just, just text her? Do you text her? Hey, Beyonce, I'm I don't about, text no. her. <laughs> Is it email? If it's email, what's, what's her email? Oh, yeah. Let's, let's show you. Oh, that's not going to work out? Sell it to the world? Oh, okay. <laughs> right after the break, we'll talk more with our guest, Watermelon Water co-founder, Jody Levy. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can catch up on all of our episodes at unfinishedbiz.com and chat with us on Twitter at unfin underscore biz subscribe to our podcast for free on itunes or any podcast app of your choice we look forward to reading your five-star reviews very soon 
And now back to our episode with Watermelon Waters, Jody Levy. So in building a company, oftentimes entrepreneurs are confronted with a turning point where they feel like they're essentially betting the company. Have you had one of these moments? I really haven't. Um, I feel very fortunate that the people surrounding this company all work together. Every, I, I believe in, that there's an energy, whether it's an employee or a partner or an investor. Everybody's energy is in the organism of a company. And it's always ebbing and flowing. And I work as the catalyst between all of it. So when I see something coming, we work together. I call on the right partner to help you know, figure out the right solution ahead of time so that we're never really in a position like that. And entrepreneurship is never boring. Um, <laughs> always highs, always lows, and really nothing really too much in between. Um, what is your kind of perspective on, on sort of how you maintain sanity uh, when you've got so many high and so many low points? You know, it's kind of similar to what I just said about kind of being up against the wall and, and having this, you know, bet the company moment. I, I don't really believe in failures. Um, I very much believe in experiments. And I just think that there's a natural flow to every company, and it's very different for every single one. And when you can kind of surrender to the natural flow, when things are really stressful, you know that what's coming out of it is going to be what's meant to come out of it. And when things are really good, you kind of know that something that's maybe not so good is coming, but you can kind of cope with it. So I've always run all my companies with that mentality where, of course, there's things that happen that are unexpected. And when you have expectations of something and they go awry, it can be painful, right? You have to deal with it. But it's in the process of dealing with it that I think is most of the learning. And it, without fail, has always gotten me and us to where we're meant to go. So I think that the sanity part of it is being able to stay aligned with that belief system. And when you're aligned with the belief system, and this is true of business and life in general, that's when the synchronicity of the universe is, it like locks in, right? That's when there's these crazy, weird things that happen that seem like coincidence, if, if that's the word you know of, right? but it leads you like a breadcrumb to the next thing. And so I run all my businesses like that. And it makes it a lot more fun, right? Because right? you're never kind of like slapped in the face with the pain. It feels like you're just kind of focusing on the process and then discovering things as they kind of pop up and reacting to them to a certain extent. Is that? That's true. I mean, there's very much a like hardcore strategic perspective of staying in front of everything. So I tend to see a map that's like a puzzle and understand the various ways it can come together. And that's an important step so that I can always stay ahead of it. And of course, when you're in the minutia and there's stacks of things in front of you and there's people and there's, you know, human needs and all the things, it's definitely harder to get that macro perspective. It's a little bit harder to stay aligned to that belief system. Based on what you've mentioned, there may not be a specific answer here. But is there anything that keeps you up at night regarding your business? Yes. <laughs> because that whole puzzle thing I talked about where I can see everything coming. I can, I'm the one that gets to see everything coming. Um, you know, we're, we just got 
through two weeks of insane storms and natural disasters. We've got hundreds of millions of pounds of watermelon in the ground in Puerto Rico. Like Things like that keep me up at night. Making sure my people are happy, knowing how hard everybody's working, that keeps me up at night. Knowing like the list and list and list of connections and follow-ups and things that I toss at people and that everybody you know tosses at people, of course. Um, capital raises tend to keep me up at night, but not because of the reason you would expect. I, I find it to be very important to be careful about who comes into our company and the energies that they bring to it. And so because of that, you know, oftentimes when you need capital and there's capital, you have to make choices. And at this point, I've, I've been so cautious to bring in amazing people that make up this community and this tribe. It's a really important thing for me to maintain. So things like that, you know, and it has to do with protecting the integrity of what we're doing. It's interesting you bring up the tribe. It's something we talk about quite a bit with the various entrepreneurs in the community is, you know, it's often easier to divorce a spouse than is divorce your investor and choose wisely. And I think you described it very well and, and really being very thoughtful about who you bring in as part of your tribe, because one bad apple can be very disruptive and kudos to you along this journey of being very careful about who you've brought in, where you've had great additive folks like Beyonce and, and Rohan and Kavu and others. So cheers to you. Thank you. Kind of fascinating, but scary that a business like Watermelon Water that serves as a genius way to decrease agricultural waste is affected by extreme weather, of which we've had a ton of this year. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty bad. On the flip side, Watermelon Water's had some pretty good luck. Let's talk about Beyonce. How lucky can you get? Drunk in Love was the song of the summer. Want to hear me sing it, Rob? Please, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the fact that now she's a partner, it doesn't get better than that. But unlike a lot of other founders who find themselves running businesses they didn't even know they wanted, Jody's path feels much more deliberate, maybe even fateful. You might even say she woke up like this. That was bad, Robin. Nah, Keep your day job. That's true. <laughs> I grew up outside of Detroit, and I'm a proud Detroiter. Um, I... I had a very specific moment when I was in third grade, eight years old. I was in an art class, and I was copying this purple Georgia O'Keeffe painting with, like, gouache egg paint. And I lost all sense of time and space. I essentially hit flow state for the first time in my life. And all of a sudden, like, the bell rang, and I had to leave, and I was like, what was that? That was amazing, right? Like, What does flow state mean? flow state where you're just suspended in time and space and you know you don't have a sense for where you were where you're going but it's almost it's a it's a it's a way that a lot of people tap in you know some people can get high like that but naturally obviously and for me it's something that I work towards each day whether it's through meditation or dance or you know my fitness to really be purely present because that's where my best ideas come from but anyway, so I had that experience, and I left that day, and I went home, and I told my mom I'm an artist. And my parents are amazing, and they're both entrepreneurs, and they were like, she's an artist. And I spent my entire life with two 
parents that nurtured my creative endeavors. And um, I, I have a degree in fine art. I'm a painter. I make large-scale paintings. I last show I had was in Soho. I'm also a designer. I create spaces, and many of them are technological environments where you can touch and feel sculptures that transform hundreds of feet of multimedia installations with sound and texture and motion graphics that tell stories in different ways. And I started writing and, and finding non-traditional ways to engage people and, and bring them into presence. And, and Do you still have time to actually sort of do all of that at this I point? I make time. Oh, okay. I don't take that many clients anymore unless it's something that's really aligned with my own pers- personal mission to like help pe- people, help empower people to take care of themselves. That's kind of where I come into. Like I love supporting brands or creative directing brands or being you know, a consultant to people that are doing great things in the world. Um, I don't take on that many clients anymore. M- most of my energy goes to watermelon water. But I do paint. And I awesome. do make, yeah. Nice. Do you still have a favorite style of, of art? Yeah, my, my work is, it's almost like I channel an you know, ancient Japanese woman or something. It's, um, <laughs> it's like mostly black and white, sometimes red and white. I get this really thick cold-pressed paper, watercolor paper from France on these giant rolls. I use bamboo and bamboo brushes, and I have a very specific style. My work's in collections all over the country, all over the world. Very cool. Yeah. Jody, it's time for our signature game. It's, a, it's rapid fire, 60 seconds. We're going to ask you a series of questions. Just say the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? I don't know. I'm going to take that as a yes. I'm ready. The first thing you read every day is? Instagram. What's your favorite movie? Working Girl. <laughs> Who's your celebrity crush? Bradley Cooper. Karaoke song you're most likely to belt out? Patience. Your hometown is famous for? Rock and roll. What's your guilty pleasure? Dance. First car you ever owned? Jeep. Runner-up name for your business that didn't make the cut? Hmm, I don't know. Do you recline on airplanes? No. If you could drink one thing for the rest of your life besides water, what do you choose? Watermelon water. What was your last New Year's resolution? To be more present. If you were stranded on an island and you could only bring one thing... What would it be? A really sexy man. What's the last hashtag you ever used? Drink clean. Where's the next place you'd like to travel? Nepal. If a movie was made of your life, you'd be played by? Mm. Pass. Talent Myself. You, <laughs> talent you don't have, but wish you did. P&Ls. What's your most hated food? Onion. If you could be any pro athlete, who would you be? Serena Williams political issue you care most about? Everything. Favorite TV show ever? I'm not much of a TV watcher. During the last week, have you looked at your phone while driving? No. You were good. You yeah. Were good. I did it all? Good. Yeah. What what so, any advice that you can give uh, fellow entrepreneurs? So much advice. Um... I think that the most important thing for entrepreneurs or people that are interested in building businesses is to get really clear on what you love and what you're good at and get really clear on the things that you're not good at and build teams around you so that you don't have to do the things that you're not good at. 
And when you can rely on other people and you can surrender and really let ego go and know that no matter what, it's a village, it takes a group of people to bring a business to life, then everybody can thrive. Well, Jody, thanks for joining us on Unfinished Biz. Thanks for having me, you guys. This was fun. I admitted that I love working, girl. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to Unfinished Biz. I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. And we'll be back on the next episode with Adam Lowry, co-founder of the eco-friendly cleaning brand Method. He'll talk candidly about what can go wrong when co-founders clash and why he's back at it again with Ripple Foods and a co-CEO. I had to lay off one of the groomsmen in my wedding. Really good friend of mine. And that was the worst moment in my career. That's next time on Unfinished Biz. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. You can subscribe to our show for free in any podcast app of your choice. Send us questions, comments, and feedback on Twitter at unfin underscore biz and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com.